Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Greetings, friends. In this season of Walk with God, Walt and I are sharing stories of real people in the Bible, their life journeys. We have observed and have recognized the human sin nature found in all people and in these people as well in the pages of our Bible. And it's been obvious that every person on this earth experiences bumps, twists, turns, hard climbs, along with some joyful strolls and the downhill glides. Well, today, let's continue with the story of Moses. We'll begin in Exodus 3 as God is speaking to Moses, and he says to him, But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. So I will reach out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do. And after that, he will let you go. You know, Moses was struggling with doubt and the lack of self-confidence. You may remember last week when Moses spoke to the angel of the Lord in the burning bush. He doubted that he could really take this assignment God was giving him. He needed to adjust his focus. Rather than looking at himself, he needed to turn his eyes and look at God. The Lord knew Pharaoh. He knew he would not release the people of Israel. He told Moses, I will reach out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles. Moses, after that, he will let you go. You know, God is saying, but I know. And a head to heart here for us is we serve an all-knowing, sovereign God. He does know. And then I love that phrase, so I will reach out my hand. He is a victorious God. He is a mighty warrior. And yet, that's true, Brenda, but but still Moses has questions for the Lord. And these are found in Exodus 4, uh, the what-if questions. And, and, yeah, we're really good at those. Oh, I'm we? really good at those. <laughs> oh, boy. But, but what if they will not believe me? Moses asked. So what if they will not turn to what I say and they will not listen? Um, or they may say, the Lord hasn't appeared to you. Um, and at this point, he's asking questions saying, God, how, how will they know? And God responds, Moses, what's in your hand? And, and Moses says, a staff. And God says, throw it on the ground. And he threw it down and that staff turned into a serpent. Then Moses grasped it by the tail, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Moses, put your hand inside the fold of your robe. When Moses pulled his hand out, it was covered with leprosy. And God said, put your hand back inside the fold of your robe. And his hand was restored to, no- to normal. You know, God is showing Moses miracles personally, and he's telling him, I can do these same kinds of miracles on a large scale with a, a whole nation. And, and God told Moses, I'll perform these signs so that they may believe that the Lord The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, he has appeared to you. 
But God knew Moses was still struggling with this unique assignment that God had sovereignly called them to do. Yeah, and you know what? We've been talking, even as we've been working on this passage for uh, the last day or so, and we've been pulling our thoughts together, and we asked this question, what? why is Moses struggling here? And we're going to see some of this continue throughout the chapters we're looking at today. But I want to just point out, people struggle with guilt and shame. And sometimes it's deserved, but sometimes it's it's made up, right? But Moses, remember, has a difficult memory in his past. The tragic mistake he made 40 years ago. He killed an Egyptian. He buried him in the sand. Moses is struggling with that. He's holding on. He's got guilt and shame. He was rejected by two Hebrews that next day. And then he had to flee for his life from Pharaoh to the backside of the desert in Midian. Certainly, if people didn't accept him 40 years ago, they won't accept him now. But the difference this time is it's God's timing, right? Yeah, and, and it's interesting because they didn't accept him as the second in command as, as Pharaoh's mighty prince, but now they'll have to accept him. They will see him not as a mighty prince, but as a shepherd. Yes, and one sent by God. And and then I love, you know, as Moses, well, you pointed out these what-if statements, what-if, what-if, but then the Lord is so tender with us, right? Even in the midst of our, Lord, I could never do that. And the Lord's like, I'll help you do this. This is what I'm calling you to. But the Lord sent Aaron, Moses' early older brother, and he came to Aaron and he said, I want you to go and meet Moses in the wilderness. And Aaron obeyed God. And, and remember, these are two 80-year-old plus men. <laughs> yes. I mean, they're, they're, they're having a meeting out in the middle of the wilderness. And, and uh, I mean, it's just don't see them as like, oh, young teenagers. These are 80-year-old men. Yeah. And they met up. But I love that God told Aaron, go see your brother. And when they greeted each other, the scriptures tell us that Aaron kissed his brother's neck. Moses then went on and told Aaron all the words of the Lord and all the signs he'd commanded him to do. And the two brothers returned back to Egypt and they brought together the elders of the sons of Israel. So as we continue in Exodus 4, verse 30 and following, we see that Aaron became, as it were, the spokesman. The scripture refers to him as the prophet. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses, and they performed the signs in the sight of the people, and the people believed. When they heard the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel, that he had actually seen their affliction, this is amazing, and I love this, their response, they bowed low and they worshiped. Oh, to know that we have a God who sees us. We have a God who knows our affliction and he is concerned about us. And then continuing in Exodus 5, Moses and Aaron now come into Pharaoh. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. They're speaking to Pharaoh let my people go so that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. 
And besides, I will not let Israel go. Well, after they came before Pharaoh, Moses and Aaron did what God told them to do. Pharaoh then increased the difficulty of the labors for the people of Israel. His orders to his chief uh, men who were leading the team. I don't know. I'm losing the word right now. Yes. The, the <laughs> folks that were taskmasters. Taskmasters. There you go. There we go. So he brought his orders. He said, do not give them any straw. They're going to have to gather their straw on their own, but they must produce the same number of bricks. The people were, they became distraught. They were being whipped. They were being punished because they were not able to collect straw and produce the number of bricks. And with that, Moses is faced with failure and rejection. He went to the Lord and he cried out on their behalf, Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me here? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to my people, to these people, and you have not rescued your people at all. You know, Moses struggled with this new assignment from God. God sent his brother Aaron to accompany him. The elders of Israel had accepted their message. And then after Moses and Aaron spoke to Pharaoh, he ordered the labor to be heavier on the sons of Israel. Pharaoh did not release the people. In fact, their workload became more burdensome and they were beaten. How do we respond when God doesn't answer immediately? Do we lash out at the people against us? Do we turn our backs on God and lose faith in his promises? But God was still at work. He was putting his place, his plan in place in his timing. He was working his plan. Yeah, and God was at work putting that plan in place. And I love this as the passage continues. Look at Exodus 6. There's a great list of encouraging statements that are made. And God says this, I also establish my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel. I have remembered my covenant. I've established, I've heard, I remember. And then this wonderful statement uh, that is sandwiched in between these these other ones, I am the Lord, and this is what I intend to do for you. And I, I love that. And he says, I will bring you out from under the labors of Egypt. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched hand. And I love this powerful message that God gave to Moses, but sandwiched in there is, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am a personal and a powerful God, and this is what I intend to do. And Moses, in the midst of his struggling, is giving this powerful message from the Lord right to him. But the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I'm the Lord. Say to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you, But Moses told the Lord, Behold, I'm unskilled in speech. How then will Pharaoh ever listen to me? You know, Moses saw himself as unskilled in speech, but if we go ahead to Acts chapter 7, Stephen, in the midst of his recounting the life of Moses and lessons we should remember, he said this, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and we already know that. And he was powerful in speech and in action. 
And you're wondering, wait a minute, Stephen's saying he was powerful in speech and action, and Moses is saying, I'm unskilled in speech. And, you know, sometimes we see ourselves as how we used to be. We get, we get stuck in the past. We remember our, our weaknesses and our failures, and we doubt that we can be used by God. You know, Brenda, both you and I were raised in a small town under a 1,000 people. And every so often, I'll just say, I'm, I'm still, there's a piece of that little boy wondering, what, can I do this? You know, God, can you use me? And yet, at the same time, that's my past, and it's, it's always going to be a part of me. But my present is God has, has raised me up, and he's given me the education, and he's given me unbelievable experiences. And, and he's called us to be what he intends us to be, to, to lean into his plan for his purposes for our life. Yeah, and those are just such good words. We, we just, we get stuck sometimes, yeah. you know, especially, you know, where those weaknesses are, where those failures are, and, and we're not able to move ahead of that. So that, that idea of, am I looking to God? And so, you know, even though Moses was having these conversations with God, he was expressing, he was telling God, I, I don't have the skill. I'm, I'm poor of speech. But the neat thing here is Moses continued to do what God was asking him to do. It was like in private, he was saying, well, God, this, I'm not really good at this. But yet then he would return. He would go and into Moses' court. So the Lord told Moses that he and his brother Aaron should speak all that God commanded to Pharaoh. And then God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that I may multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. You know, God had a purpose. And so often we we get stuck in that difficult time, that valley, the dark place in our life. And it's understandable. There's there it's it's hard to get out of that and break free. But when we can can just take a moment and a deep breath and say, God has a purpose. God has a plan here. When Pharaoh does not listen to you, I will lay my hand on Egypt and the Egyptians will then know I am the Lord when I extend my hand over Egypt and I bring out the sons of Israel. You know, we want to encourage you at this point in our lesson today to open your Bibles to Exodus chapters 20 to, to I mean, chapter 7 to 12 and here you will read more about the 10 plagues of Egypt, which will come from God's mighty hand. That's what God's talking about here in those verses. He will be known. We've provided the list of these 10 plagues in the show notes for your reference so that you can read through those. Each of these plagues show God's superiority to the false gods of Egypt. You know, the Lord knew Pharaoh would not listen to Moses. In Exodus 11, he says, 11.9, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Why? Because my wonders will be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And so Moses and Aaron went, they made the announcement before Pharaoh, all the wonders happened, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's hearts. He did not let the sons of Israel go. Sometimes God asks us to do difficult work for him, hard work. 
And he will give us the strength, the ability, and the power to do what he's called us to do. It is for his glory. It is for his purpose and his sovereign plan. You know, it's interesting because Moses has a lesson to learn here of the power of God and his ability to do what he said. But so do the people of Israel. They have that lesson to learn And so do the people of Egypt. They need to learn not to mess with God, the Lord God Almighty. And after the 10th plague, the plague on the firstborn in Exodus 11 through 12, the people of Israel depart from Egypt. And and it's interesting because the text specifically says that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. This is the short route. This is the easier route. Even though it was near, for God said this people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Therefore, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and a pillar of fire by night to give them light, so that they might travel by day and by night. And just we've spent time in the, the, the wilderness, the, the desert of southern Israel, and, um, and during the day it can be really hot. God provides a cloud. And at night it can get really cool. God provides heat. So the Lord needed to strengthen his people. He led them by this path into the wilderness, not the easier, not the shorter one, really, but the one, the easy short one, had them going by mighty armies and mighty cities. But he leads them a more difficult path, and they need to grow in their faith, in their trust in the Lord. They need to practice battle tactics, first out in the open, and then later how to do siege warfare. God is refining them. God is going to do something to their hearts and in their lives. And, you know, a head-to-heart here for us, and we just were talking about this, God will often lead us on the more difficult ways and the longer path, and that shouldn't surprise us. Jesus says there's a wide, easy way leading to destruction, and then there's a narrow, more difficult way that leads to everlasting life. God wants us to grow stronger in our faith. He wants us to trust him in all these things. Every detail, large or small, that's what God intends yeah, and as they are departing, um, it is interesting. God leads them out to the Red Sea, which almost looks like they're trapped. And we see now as we move into Exodus chapter 14, he says, Tell the sons of Israel to camp between Migdal and the sea. And Pharaoh's going to believe that this people, they've just run away, but they don't know where they're going. They don't have a map. They don't have GPS on their phones. They're, you know, they're lost, right? And so then I, God, am, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart again, and he's going to chase after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his armies, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. There's that purpose. There's that sovereign God again. God is victorious. He is going to win this battle. And it happened just like God said. Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart, and they said, what have we done? We've let Israel go from serving us. And so the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons. And you know, now God has set the stage for the sons of Israel to watch the mighty wonder of God's hands as Pharaoh and his army approach the sons of Israel become very frightened for a good reason. They turned 
to Moses and cried, what, why have you brought us out of Egypt so that we might die in the wilderness? For it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And this point, we end our story for this broadcast. We love this, that we go ahead and we, we realize they're trapped. What's going to happen? There's nothing that they can do, but they're going to have to learn a mighty lesson from God. And he's going to show them. He's going to show them. You know, um, I love this in Exodus 15. It's verses 1 to 3. Please go there and, and read it along. It says it's a, it's a hymn of praise. I will sing to the Lord. He is highly exalted. He hurled the horse and the rider into the sea. The Lord is my salvation. He's my strength and my song. This is my God, and I will praise him. You know, we have posted a worship song in the show notes for your personal time with the Lord. And we pray in this coming week, you will take time to sing praises to the Lord, to acknowledge that He is your strength, that He is your salvation. Until our next time together, may you continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.